Welcome to episode 25 of In Touch with iOS, a podcast for sharing tips, apps, and gear for iPhone and iPad, along with related technologies that get us using iOS in fun, productive, and meaningful ways. I'm your host, Melissa Davis, and joining me as always is David Ginsberg. How are you, Dave? I'm doing good. I had to reach away and mute my uh, Amazon because it may go off here, <laughs> so I forgot to do that as we were playing before the show started. Uh, yeah, we am, have our little play date here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you did say that at the beginning, didn't you? Yeah. <laughs> it turned it out to be that way, didn't it? <laughs> uh, it's always fun. It's uh, always fun talking to you about iOS and stuff. Yeah, a lot of, a lot of pre-show stuff, but now we're out, now recording. We're going to talk about some fun stuff today. Yeah. Um, a lot to talk so, about. Go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead. Uh, we got a couple new stories we'll hit, and, and uh, I think uh, the majority of the show today is going to be on uh, browsing. Uh, you came up with a pretty good topic. I think uh, we'll both uh, give uh, the listeners some great information about uh, about Safari because uh, we all live on Safari with iOS, and uh, there's so much to know and so much to do. And and then uh, we'll hit uh, some of the, uh, the the third party browsers, which I really like. And uh, we got about uh, about six of them that I'm going to talk about and give some insights. So, but and why you might want to use them over Safari? But yeah. for the most part, we want to basically get you thinking about browsing. So, I will make a recommendation right now at the top of the podcast that yeah. as you're listening to this, you may want to have your. I mean, you're going to have your iOS device, hopefully, that you're listening to this on, and you can work in Safari while you're listening, and you can kind of play along as we go. And uh, we're going to have links in the show notes that you can click on as an example. That's one of the things that I pride myself on with this podcast is I really love doing show notes. And uh, I like adding lots of links (laughs) and things for people to interact with. And so I really encourage people, make it worth my while, (laughs) go check out our show notes. It's at intouchwithios.com if uh, you've gotten to us from some other way. But I put lots of links in the show notes. So as you're listening to this podcast, be clicking on those links and being engaged with Safari. And we're going to give you tips to hopefully uh, make it so that you can get yeah. more out of Safari and iOS in your iPhone and your iPad, your iOS devices and navigating. So we're going to go on a little Safari today. There you go. So why don't you want to start in with the news, Dave? Yeah, we just had a couple of news stories. Uh, it wasn't heavy news uh, out there, but a couple interesting ones caught my eye and wanted to talk about. We'd, uh, we did mention a couple episodes ago about uh, Apple purchasing uh, Texture. Uh, actually, it was last month. Yeah, that's act- when we were talking about magazines. Magazines. Magazine mm-hmm. subscriptions. Actually, they bought them last month. This is April. So in, in March, they announced that they purchased that uh, that that company, uh, Texture, which provides uh, an unlimited uh, subscription to multiple different magazines. Uh, and it's like a $10 a month uh, subscription. About 200 magazines or so are in their, in their uh, catalog, including big big uh, ones like People Magazine and Time and Wired and and so on and so forth. Well, uh, Apple announced well, their their Bloomberg, is who, are, who are, are quoted in the show notes, uh, has said that uh, Apple is going to consider integrating a new subscription service. And I'm not at all surprised that they're going to do this. Um, mm-hmm. So it's going to drive all the traffic over to the, the news Apple News app uh, with subscription offerings similar to what Texture is doing now. Of course, Apple hasn't hasn't uh, dec- has declined to comment to what the what their 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 plans are. I sure hope they keep texture the way it is. I mean, I think I mean I'm I'm not a subscriber, but I you know, but a lot of people like to l- read the magazines, and you get tired of having to subscribe to you know ten or fifteen mm-hmm. different magazines if you don't want to. And of course, the content's available online, and of course, you can go to your libraries. We've talked about all that stuff before, uh, but I think Apple's successes with other in other markets. I think this is where they're looking uh, to. Uh, 
to drive their services growth on, especially using iPhones and iPads. Um, so I thought that was interesting that uh, they're going to go through and uh, and uh, have uh, have that uh, out there for uh, for people to to review. So again, it's, it's like they they want to disrupt the market somehow oh. by purchasing. They they'll gobble up something and they'll purchase it, and well, we can make it better. We can either kill it or we can make it better. Well, just like Amazon, Amazon does the same thing, and they've 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 killed a lot of things in the uh, in the retail market. Uh, you know, Apple's mm-hmm. going to disrupt some of the technology. Um, but, uh, no, I mean, people like to read music. Try. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the, the people like to read, read magazines and, I, and as well as I do. And I think it's a, it's a great, uh, uh, it's a great, uh, feature. So, um, the other, uh, article caught my eye was, um, uh, the Apple insider is, uh, we quoted, uh, Apple's iPhone. If not, everybody's in aware of that, of course, has the do not disturb feature. And mm-hmm. most of us use that to put it on do not disturb. Uh, uh, usually I have it set to 10 o'clock in my time to, uh, from 10 p.m. to 7 a.m. Um, and uh, they did add a feature called uh, wild driving, do not disturb while driving, which is a feature that you turn on and automatically the, the iPhone knows that you're driving because it senses the motion or like in my case and many who have uh, cars who have Bluetooth, it senses that you're hooked up to your car. So it automatically uh, says uh, that you, you will not be disturbed while you're driving. And I've seen, I've seen how it works. It's really cool because if someone texts you, they're going to get an automatic message or from back. I'm, I'm driving right now and I will uh, get back to you once I'm mm-hmm. finished. Um, as is, I'm not receiving any notifications right now. If it's an urgent reply, you could reply urgent, then it would go through um, and people see that. So, um, You know what got us trained for this? <laughs> Keyword emphasis, the train <laughs> was Pokemon Go. Because yeah. <laughs> when it first came out, Barry will laugh at this. Hi, Barry. Hi, Barry. Uh, you know, when when we first started out with Pokemon Go, people were getting in trouble for right. driving while driving playing while it. while Pokemon and so, going. <laughs> yeah, and so now it detects, yeah. it's it's So now we know that it's paying attention to the, the motion and you always get that, you know, thing popped up. My kids are really, like, really quick to swipe that away. Like, no, I'm a passenger. <laughs> Let me play my game. But so, uh, yeah, really, the article was discussing how how the feature is helping reduce dangerous habits, um, and you know I use it. I drive when I drive. I generally don't um, turn it off. But the thing is, you can because the thing is, it does sense it no matter what. If you're a passenger in the car and you have it turned on, you you can you can tap your phone and then it says I'm not driving. Well, of yeah. course you could be driving and do that too. I'll admit sometimes I do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if it's important enough, I you know it is what it is. Uh, but uh, it's a uh, it it, uh, it it's definitely a great feature to really help discipline you to, to to don't I mean you should not be texting and driving I don't text and drive for sure I would, yeah I for would especially for that. young drivers like inexperienced drivers that or you know people that just you know their prefrontal cortex is not quite baked right. yet they should probably just have this on by default and you know it could be a condition of uh, parents giving their teenagers a cell phone who are going to be driving. In fact, uh, um, I'll talk about this more in another episode when we dive into this topic more, but we are, you know, we're, we keep saying this, I can just keep dragging my heels on it. I'll be (laughs) honest. Uh, We are on the verge of giving our oldest a cell phone soon. And so we've been researching contracts and, you know, looking at different things to help guide him. And we did come up with one, and we decided that we would talk about, you know, texting while driving and that the, that, that was going to definitely be something that we were going to put in the contract early on that, you know, he has to promise that he won't text while he's driving. I mean, he's it's I don't even think about him driving, let alone yeah. just even using a cell phone out in the wild, you know, but it's um, it's a reality that we have to face as parents. But more importantly, if he's as he gets older, even before he starts driving his on his own, he's going to be a passenger 
with other younger kids that are driving eventually sooner than than later. And so we talked about how he needs to promise to be aware of that kind of behavior and not even ride with kids, I'll call them kids, you know, young people driving who decide to text and drive, you know, and we talked about how, you know, in the contract that he would promise that if he was with a friend who was driving, and this is going to happen probably in the next couple of years as he starts going on different uh, things with kids who are driving, that if the, the person driving was going to attempt to text and drive that he would offer, Hey, why don't you let me send that text for you? You know, I'm a passenger, I'm in the backseat or, you know, I'm not the one driving. If you, if you really, if it's really that important, I mean, we always say it can wait, you know, that's just a motto that we want to teach people now that it can wait, but if it can, for whatever reason, I can't really imagine, but, um, you know, in a young person's life, but if it's an emergency or something, you know, he'll offer to send the text. So that could be like maybe a, an etiquette or courtesy kind of thing that kids start to learn how to do for each other as they're in that they're becoming passengers in vehicles where kids are, are texting and driving. It's just something to think about. Um, I will say that as, as much as I don't condone texting and driving, I I don't use this feature only because I don't have like a set time to drive and because I prefer do not disturb which is like, you know, kind of shuts down everything. I just kind of keep do not disturb on because, you know, when I'm driving and I, I want to go work with a client or I'm talking to the kids, I don't want really anything coming through. So I kind of already use do not disturb. I just don't right. use the do not disturb while driving kind of feature sure. because I drive t- too many. It, I don't have like set times. I'm kind of all over the place because I'm a consultant and because I, I'm constantly you know picking up the kids or dropping off the kids somewhere. So I drive all different kinds of times. So I don't have like a set time that I could turn it on and off. So that's why it doesn't work for me. And that's, you know, that's what's great about about Apple and about iOS is that there are so many customizations that you can make that suit your needs. So do not disturb while driving may not suit my personal need, but do not disturb as a whole. I, I utilize that right. all the time. Absolutely. So well, I thought it was an interesting article. I thought uh, interesting for our listeners to, to be educated about, uh, you know, especially helping your kids. They, they should not be texting and driving for sure. It's just a yep. model, a good example, very, very <laughs> dangerous. And you know, they always, those advertisements all the time, you know, the five seconds. So you if take, you're listening to this podcast while you're driving, do not be clicking links while you're driving. Please don't, you know, wait till you're on the bus or public transit or that's right. don't do it while you're walking. <laughs> you know, there's plenty of other opportunities, but it's just food for thought, you know, exactly. that we're going to be talking about different uh, tips and techniques that you can try. But by all means, when you are not driving, uh, we'll dive into the next section here. Um, yeah, we uh, we want to follow up from the last episode. Uh, iMessages and iCloud. I think we had, mm-hmm. you and I had a discussion, and we were just trying to debate or understand: can when you when you delete a message on one device, does it delete across delete across all your iOS devices? And the answer still is no. Um, we, we we were talking about this pre-show, uh, and. Uh, as much as we, I did some research and checking it out, it was in the, one of the early betas of 11.3, but then they decided to remove it. Um, so, and, and it still is not in, uh, in the current version of 11.3. Um, and not, and I haven't seen any other information relates to it. Uh, what we're really talking about is, is if you, let's say you delete your, uh, an iMessage or a message on your iPhone, and then you go to your iPad, it's still there. Um, the same mm-hmm, thing if right. it was on your Mac, if you, you, you want the messages in on your Mac, if you deleted something on your Mac, it would still be on your iPhone and your iPad. So is that a good thing? Maybe I, I kind of think about it as, oh, okay. And I remember that message and then, then I can go in and delete it. 
is it a pain? Yeah, because then you got, especially in my on the Mac, I I, I don't like it because then I have to go in and delete every single one of those messages on my Mac, and then 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 I generally don't like to use the messages app on my Mac as much as my iOS devices. But the the the, the short answer with that was. Uh, was no, it's unfortunately still isn't isn't available because there there was a website out there uh, that showed some screenshots that had a had a, a tick that turned it on, it backs them up in iCloud. Well, your messages are still backed up in iCloud because it restores it in your back. Yeah, so you want to be looking for this. You know, it's basically coming soon to an iOS device near you. Right. We just don't know when exactly. It, it was, I guess, you know, right. It was promised in in eleven point three, which is what we just upgraded to. But for whatever reason, they must have removed it towards towards the end before they released the the gold standard. I guess yeah, they were doing a lot called. of that too, which was kind of frustrating. They, they'd show these yeah. they'd show these new features like AirPlay too. They they had it in for a little bit and then they took it out. So they're like, ah, oh, just kidding. <laughs> well, I have this feeling of Apple's just being very cautious because of bugs. I mean, eleven iOS eleven in Apple general. Maps, maybe. <laughs> no, I, yeah. Sorry, I had to go there. Yeah. <laughs> iOS 11 in I think general. they learned their lesson. You know, don't roll out things that are half fake. Well, yeah. I don't know if they can say if we can say they learned their lesson completely. It, no. it is what it is. Stuff gets gets rolled out when it's half baked. And but this is one of those things probably that people really are going to be counting on. Yeah. So and when it, and you're it could cause on, problems too. I mean, it really could because maybe someone would not want to be doing that. And it gets all of a sudden turned on. So, Right. And I can see lots of places where that is going to wreak havoc. So just to reiterate, when what you want to be looking for in a, in a future um, operating system update, which isn't there right now, but this right. is where it should end up showing up. So you're going to want to, on your either your iPad or your iPhone, one of your iOS devices, you're going to go into settings and then you're going to tap on your name. And then that's where your iCloud section is. Right. And then you're going to tap on iCloud and you're going to look for that list that loads that says apps using iCloud. And like we said, we saw some screenshots from some other websites where they were showing the, I guess, the developer screenshots of what it looked like currently at the time. And in that list there was iMessage. And that is not, or I guess it was messages, I should say. I should clarify. It was messages, not iMessage, because iMessage is the service. Gosh, I just went through this with a client the other day. It's so confusing for my my people that I work with because they're like, what's the difference between messages and messenger mm. and iMessage? Like there's all these vocabulary terms and oh my gosh, it's like, yeah. okay, let's take a picture. And and then that's frustrating too because, and this is something that, I, that I, I'm so frustrated with because I'm trying to explain it to people. In iOS, the icon for messages is a green background with a chat bubble on it. But on the Mac, the messages icon is blue. It's a blue bubble that has a little white chat bubble with the three dots because that indicates, you know, right. it's like what it looks like when someone's texting you. Why aren't they the same? <laughs> Why aren't they the same? That drives me crazy because I wish I could just point to it here. See, look, it's the same thing, you know, just from from one screen to the next. Like, why should it be different? Because, I mean, they they updated, for example, the photos the photos right. app icon, it's a circle in the dock on the Mac, and it's a square with rounded corners in iOS, but the, I call it the little peacock colored, you know, petals, it's the same logo. It's the same icon. It's the same design. Right. Why aren't, why do they not, I would, I just would 
I'm curious to know what the human interface guidelines are. Maybe I can look it up somewhere. That what is the reasoning behind the different color scheme? Because it just and then it gets really confusing because then some of my clients are learning about Messenger for Facebook. Right. And so then that's really confusing. I, I literally had to type out some instructions the other day where I highlighted the ES on messages and the ER on messengers so that they would know the difference between what they were asking me about. So anyway, that's a little uh, a little preview into we'll talk about that some other time in, in more depth when we know more once we get that feature. I was just curious because, you know, we were told it was going to come in 11.3 and it's not really there, which I'm kind of glad about because like as we said, it could really wreak havoc because, for example, um, I know that that one of the reasons why they're going to do it is because of the frustration of setting up a new device. And this happened to a family member of mine. They forgot that they had all of these messages that, and I told him, I was like, you know, I could use iAmazing. I could copy it over for you if you like, and then just, you know, give them to you. Yeah, we'll get to it sometime. And it didn't happen. And then they wiped their phone, gave it to another family member when they upgraded and forgot that they had all those messages history that didn't come over on the new device. So I know that that's one of the biggest pushes for why people want messages in iCloud so that it does sync to new devices so that you don't lose those histories because they're really valuable and really important to a lot of people. However, there is going to come a time, I know for my needs especially, where, um, for example, I have a 32 gigabyte iPad because I like to live lean. And messages on the iPad, yes, I like to receive them but I don't necessarily want to keep them there. That's not where I do most of my communication and messages. I like to keep it on my Mac and I like to keep it on my iPhone, but I want to be able to delete them on my iPad. I don't want them to delete everywhere else. And that's what's going to happen in the future. However, like what, like I said before, I'll reiterate when you go in the future, when this becomes a feature and you go into settings right. and you tap on your name, I think what's going to happen, and this this will be interesting. I'm looking forward to this. I think it's going to be a toggle switch, and I'm hoping that that's how it will work. And then I'll be able to toggle it off on my iPad and leave it toggled on, enabled on everything else. Yep. So we'll have to follow up with that in the future. But that's that's what I'm hopeful that's for. Where we are when so far. Mm-hmm. All right. So let's segue right into settings of Safari. Since we're already there, we're in the settings screen. That's at least that's what I'm looking at. I thought that that would be a good place to start off talking about our main topic, which is Safari. And anytime that I explore an app with people, what I really like to start out with is settings, because that's the first place where you want to configure or set up your settings, how, how you want it to act and uh, so I think it's important to just go right into settings and then go to Safari and then start taking a look at what the choices are in there. So I'm not going to go through every single one of them, but I just wanted to highlight a few that I think are important. By default, I believe the search engine is Google. Now, I prefer it. I think you prefer it. Are you a yeah. Binger or are you a Yahooer? Nope. nope, I am Google. Yeah, so I like to stick to Google. However, if you want to change that, that's where you can change it. Um, I usually leave most of the toggle switches on for this, like search engine suggestions and Safari suggestions and quick website search and preload top hits, stuff like that. Um, in the next section for general is where they talk about autofill. And I want to touch on this because I want to delve into password management just a little bit. That's like a whole other yeah. like five shows. <laughs> uh, but in here is where you can control whether or not passwords and things get stored. 
Now, I don't know about you, Dave, but I really don't recommend storing passwords in a browser. I really personally, I recommend, and I know a lot of people that work in InfoSec that recommend using a password manager to store your passwords. I mean, in a pinch, yeah, there's been a few times and it really, really depends on the situation. I might have like maybe three where there's websites for like something to do with the kids' school that are just obnoxious about logging in with a password or whatever. And so I've saved those there because I didn't consider them quite as important as like, I would never save my banking passwords in there. I just, it's just not something, I don't know, I'd have to, I feel dirty thinking about it. Um, It's just not something I recommend. So that's the section where you want to pay attention to what that is set to because names and passwords, there is a switch there. And if you turn that on, it'll offer to save your passwords. And not only can it be possibly exploited by something, I mean, I, I don't know. It's, it's Apple's pretty safe and locked down when it comes to the stuff. However, the problem, when I'm talking about exploitation here, I'm talking about your memory and complacency. What happens in my experience in working with so many people that do this is they just set it and forget it. And this is one of those places where you really don't want to forget how things are set. You really want to have a little bit more control over that. And so by turning this on, you become complacent and you start to forget what things you've set where with which passwords. Now, password managers designed so that you don't have to remember your passwords, but you're still kind of forced to interact with the logins in a way that you see where your passwords are stored and what information is in there. Whereas this is like you kind of set it and forget it and then it gets stored in there. And then what happens over time is sometimes, and I've seen this work in the the Mac version of Safari where I've seen people save their passwords in Safari, then forget their password, go through, and this is with like their Apple ID and stuff that's really important, or they'll go to other websites and they'll log in, they'll change their password. Meanwhile, the old password is still stored in there. And then they go round and round and round and circle the drain trying to get logged into websites and get so frustrated because both the incorrect password and the correct password are saved. And so it gets really confusing over yeah. time. So I just don't recommend it. So that's enough about that section. Well, um, can I just make a comment on that? Um, sure. Through uh, accounts and passwords, that's the set, That's the uh, the section that you go in. And that's where it stores all the uh, the pa- apps and password websites. Um Mm-hmm. It, it is locked down by Face ID if you have an iPhone 10 and the, the passcode pin uh, if you have an uh, uh, iPhone 8 um, or the Touch mm-hmm. ID. So um, right. I, I feel pretty secure that, that that's, that's uh, secured. Um, they also have Keychain that they store on iCloud, um, and that, that's backed up as well. So my opinion it's is... It's very I, secure. You're right. I'm not... I don't dispute that at all. However... People's behavior is not very secure and that's how people get fished. And when they go to a website that makes them think they're going to somewhere, they'll get complacent because it's so easy and the passwords are there. They're liable. The the liability is much higher that they're just going to automatically autofill that credential and get logged in and then they're sunk. So I just think you should make it a little bit harder to log into sites by not saving the passwords there and by actually going and copying and pasting, like going and doing a little extra bit of work that's required to use a password manager. I just think it kind of keeps you a little bit safer as far as behavior is concerned. But yeah, to be clear, you're right. It is 
probably very, very secure as far as, you know, you've got the secure secure enclave that's attached to your biometrics. And, you know, that's right. yeah, that's pretty safe well, stuff. And I'll just say I, I, I go both ways. I use one password and, of course, one password integrates with Safari so you can. You can uh, go in and get it, and same thing. Use your face ID or your touch ID or the PIN or the mm-hmm. password, yep. and and, um, and you you add it to the website. So, um, but so that is getting easier, and I hope it doesn't get so easy again that it breeds complacency. That's yeah. that's my only issue with that, it. Yeah, that's all I want to touch on that. Mm-hmm. Now, there's a couple of customization things in there, and these are kind of things you can explore on your own, like the favorites bar and tab bar. You can experiment with what those switches do, but uh, we did want to touch on block pop-ups. Uh, it used to be, I don't know, it just used to be like a while ago that like, oh, you definitely got to turn on block yeah. pop-ups. You definitely want to block Automatic, those yeah. pop-ups. And I don't know what happened, but it seems like that's now become a really bad, like not unsafe, but like bad in, in the terms of user interface. So many websites have pop-ups that come up that are, that are, are required important, and you can't yeah. get logged in. And so because of that behavior and people having that just turned on by default, that the pop-ups are blocked by default, what I've seen happen is people struggle and and go around in circles trying to get logged into banking websites or medical portals, things like that, that require a popover of some sort, and it just doesn't work, and they can't figure out why. I mean, it's happened to my dad where, I mean, we were ready to, like, tear each other's hair out because it just won't work, and finally we figured out, oh, it's because the block ups were or the block ups the block say that 10 times really fast block pop ups was enabled and it should not have been because the sites that he was navigating to for financial reasons were requiring that a pop up serve up some information so that's something you may want to investigate and i just i wouldn't rely on the default setting for that no i have that too and, and then you know check apple pay and um yeah, fraudulent website warnings, things like that. You know, those are kinds of things you want to uh, investigate on your own too. One yeah. last thing in that setting there, the last section is called reading list. And you can, it, it, again, it depends on your needs. And if you're living lean, like, like I am, uh, automatically save offline reading list. That is going to, when you're surfing the web, and we're going to get into this a little bit deeper later, when you're using the reading list, if you're surfing websites and you're saving articles to read later, if you lose your internet connection, say you're in the airport and you've downloaded a bunch of articles, you go in the airplane, you have no Wi-Fi access, you can still read those articles because you because you've got that turned on. It's now saving it offline, which is a really really cool feature. Yeah, it is, especially with iPads, so you don't have cellular, so uh, uh-huh. you you can read it offline. Yep. And I, and I, again, I do, I have the iPad that's just the Wi-Fi only. And so that feature right there serves me just fine. Yep. Okay. So that was settings for Safari. So definitely explore that stuff first before you start digging into the rest of the stuff. Um, another thing that I wanted to talk about was how to load the desktop version of a website using Safari. Now Safari on iOS is a mobile version of a website. And when you, like, say you go to in touch with iOS, if you wanted to, for whatever reason, see the full desktop version, it might be a little bit more, you know, prettier. Because I know, for example, like my blog will have a mobile version where it loads beautifully on mobile and it's, it's, it's a fine navigation wise, but 
sometimes you want to see a little bit more of a website or sometimes this, the mobile version is just not, it's by default, it's set up to load on mobile quickly, but you really can't get it what you really need to. So for whatever reason, you're going to want to load the desktop version of something for some reason. And the way that you do that is when you look in the top address bar over to the right, there's a little arrow that's curving to the right and you tap and you hold on that. And as you hold down on it, you're going to see something that pops up that says request desktop site. And that will then load the desktop. So that's a tip for that. And there are, it, it, it really depends on some websites too. And I've tried it on the yes. iPhone and some, even though you do it, 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 it doesn't go to a desktop oh, it still doesn't work? Yeah, so, so, so you're and, right. It does depend on how it's coded. And I, and I will talk about the third-party browsers that, that really give you a desktop experience uh, later in later in the show. Yep, that's coming up. So the next thing on our list, and we do have a little list of goodies for you. So uh, the next thing on our list is, should you use an ad blocker? Now, I get this question a lot of times. Now, I'll let Dave dive into the ad blocker portion, but yeah. I first want to talk about uh, if the answer is no and you don't feel like going through the trouble of maybe like purchasing one and installing one and having to manage it and worry about updates and all that kind of stuff. That's kind of been my experience like on my iPad. I just don't use an ad blocker. Dave's going to talk about you know maybe why you want to. But what I do instead is I, I guess I would call this like ad blocker light in a way. Instead, what I recommend that you do is learn how to use Reader View. And I do have a link in the show notes to my blog. Now, I wrote this a while ago. Uh, back when it was, what was it, iOS 9, but it hasn't really changed. I mean, I haven't really updated the title. Even though it says iOS 9, it's still the same kind of feature, and it's still called Reader View. It's still available, and it still works the same way. And basically what it does is when you engage in Reader View, it does strip out most of the ads. So say, for example, you go to visit a site where a bunch of ads are loading, and it's making your reading experience really horrible. What you want to do is look in the upper left-hand corner of where the website is listed, and you should see some if, and again, this is back to like what we were talking about before, it depends on the website. If you see some little lines there, that is a, a visual indicator, an icon, that means that Reader View is available. And when you tap on it, it will make, it'll strip out the ads and it'll make the website read almost like a magazine in a way. It's a really clean interface. And so it's a really great way to look at articles in Safari, basically turning your iPad into a digital reader, a digital magazine in a way where you can just scroll to your heart's content and you don't have to worry about all these things popping out at you. The other nice thing about it, too, is that you can uh, customize the size of the you can change the typeface and you can change the size of the text and you can change the background. Yep. So you can even make it sepia background if that's, you know, if the white is too blinding for your eyes or say you're reading at nighttime and you want a black background, you can do that in the reader view and customize your reading experience. So that's one of my favorite, favorite features. I just I just had a, oh, a client recently who said to me, they showed me this these websites that they were surfing. They're like, oh, my gosh, it's driving me crazy. I can't stand all of these ads and these things that get in my way. And I showed them Reader View and it was like, ah, oh, mm -hmm. that's much better. So I highly recommend that you me try too. that if you have not. Yeah. I'm, uh, Wikipedia is a good example of a website. You know, when you go on to there, I mean, they don't put ads, but, you know, the, the, the view is a little different. 
Uh, but when you click read review, it's it's a nice clean. You just scroll through and you got a nice clean read. Um, the mm-hmm. default default uh, uh, I, I mean the default font on on iOS devices is San Francisco. It's called, uh, mm-hmm. but you, it, it's cool. You can change. There's about eight different fonts you can change it to, including Times New Roman, which is the most common of of all. Uh, fonts and like you said the background colors yeah it really if it's easier on your eyes to go dark mode you can go black and gray and uh, or just you do the standard white so um, yeah once you once you're in reader mode so the the little uh it'll show the little a's the, the little icon to the left that is the reader mode icon i i just remember this as i as i was talking about it it's funny it's actually the flush left symbol <laughs> if you're used to word processing oh, okay, and yeah. you know when you're changing your orientation of your text it's either flush left or center or rag right or justified well the icon looks just like the flush left button in a word processor so if you're looking for a visual metaphor to look for that's what you're looking for and then to the right of the adjust bar is where you're going to see the big a little a right. and then that's what you tap on to get the different typefaces the different background colors and the little a big a for enlarging the text so you definitely got to give that a try that's it's just it's just really cool i mean so many people just don't know about it and i i love introducing people to that because it's it's just like you love to look at the look on their face when they go ah that's great yep so let's talk next about um what is a tab that's basically how you interact with Safari. Every time you are in one place in the on the web, you know, surfing different websites, say you're in Facebook or you're in Twitter or you're uh, you've clicked a link from an email that someone sent you or texted you. However, you got there, it opens up a web page. You're you're on the web page. You're interacting with the website, and when you want to open up a new page within that page. You go to like if I'm looking at my iPad and it's in landscape or horizontal mode, you're going to look for the symbol wherever you are on the page. And on iPhone, it's at the bottom. Make make sure I have both my screens up here. Mm-hmm. Uh, in iPhone, in Safari, it's at the very bottom in the lower right hand corner. You're going to look for two squares that overlap one another. One another, and you know people may just take that for granted and you're used to just tapping on that but that's how you open up a new page and then you tap the plus sign to get a new page open whether you're going to go to something that you've already bookmarked or you're going to type in an actual website URL like in touch with ios.com you can use that as an example that is opening up a new tab and what a lot of people don't realize, and this is what I've, I've come to learn the hard way mm-hmm. working with people, is that every time you tap on a link, every time you tap those little squares, it opens up what's called a new tab. And it just keeps repeating and repeating. It just keeps opening up new tabs. And I've actually met people out in the wild who have hundreds of tabs open. <laughs> and you can have I mean, just hundreds of these things. I one time I helped somebody. They they said, "How do I how do I get rid of all these? Like, how did it get that way?" I've even now in the in the past we were talking about this pre-show. Like, we don't really know if there's an actual limit. No. It might be 500. It it might be unlimited by now. There used to be a limit where and and I've run into this where the problem was uh, the person you know said I I can't. I can't load this website. It won't load. It won't load. What, what do I do? And I finally looked and discovered that they had so many tabs open 
that they had gotten to the end of the internet and couldn't <laughs> open anything else. <laughs> First off, if you have more than 500 tabs open at once, you you got serious problems. Because uh, well, yeah, it's, it's like a, I said, you, the, the, it's the not device serious is going to be. It's just like not knowing. <clears throat> not knowing. I know. I know. It's just not knowing. That's why I started off talking about it that way. That the people just take it for granted. They don't understand. Because they just haven't seen it, you know, working or they haven't really paid attention to that little detail that it's tab after tab after tab after tab. You actually have to close tabs as you're viewing them if you want to. So you can do one of two things to close a tab. Uh, when you go to say open up a new tab, we're talking about the little squares that overlap each other again. So say you're looking at an iPhone, it's in the lower right hand corner and you'll see, you know, different pages. It kind of looks like stair steps going up, almost like an accordion in a way. And you know that you can swipe up and down and they'll move up and down for you. And you'll look in the upper left hand corners of each of those tabs is a teeny tiny little X. Now, this is another thing that people take for granted. It's so easy for us, right? We just we know that we're supposed to just we're supposed to just tap that X and, and make it go away. But I'm telling you, I've met so many people that they just never saw the X there because it is so small. And it is such a tiny target that with vision issues, it's really, really easy to overshoot when you go to to tap it. And I've seen people like trying to stab at it to try to get it to close. So it gets to be really difficult. So then you end up just kind of playing whack-a-mole <laughs> and you're not really getting anywhere. But if you can manage to tap on those little X's, that's how you will close those tabs. Now, let's say, for example, you've, you've done like we said, and you've ended up with all these tabs and you just are overwhelmed and you can't seem to make heads or tails of it. And you just don't know how you got that way. The way to close all of those tabs at once is to tap and hold on to the little, the two squares that overlap one another. And then you will get a, like a message that slides up that says, close this tab, uh, open a new private tab, a new tab, or close all, and it'll tell you the number. And I have seen that number. Like right now I have, it says close all 13 tabs. I have 13 tabs open. See, I'm, I'm not horrible, but <laughs> I do keep a lot of tabs open at once. And you can just close all 176 tabs if, <laughs> if you need to. <laughs> I've seen that happen. Oh, yeah. So have I. So that's a fast way to close them all if you really want to close them all. Now, let's go back a little bit. What if you don't want to close them all, but maybe you just want to tidy things up? Maybe you do need to have 57 tabs open. Maybe you're working on a research project. I mean, that happens to us, especially as we do this podcast. We mm -hmm. do a lot of research for things. And I do have a lot of tabs open. So now I want to talk about how to organize those tabs and how to work within those tabs. So you can actually move tabs around. And it does take a little bit of finesse, I've noticed. And this is really kind of a difficult thing to explain verbally or even to show like your grandma how to do this. But the way that you move tabs around, if you wanted to reorder them, is you have to grab one by placing your finger kind of in the center of it. And you really just need to kind of push very gently on it and you will start to see it move a little bit. And then that's when you know that you can move it. You can move it up or down or left or right. You can actually reorder those tabs around by moving it over to the left and then down. So give that a try as you're as you're listening to this. Now I'm trying it as we're talking it and it is not very easy to do. 
it can be a little difficult as you're trying to reorder things. You might want to grab the one below and drag it up top, but you can move those around if you need to. And then now if you do have a lot of tabs open, this next tip is going to be a little tricky because it will take you, if you have 176 tabs open, you're going to have to either tap at the top to get to the top and there's going to be a lot of tabs to search through. But one time I did have a bunch of tabs open and I was thinking to myself, oh my gosh, I just needed to find this one thing. Can I search tabs? Well, sure enough, if you're, you know, say down at tab number 115 out of 176, I don't know why I just like that number, mm -hmm. you can uh, tap on the time at the very tippy tippy top of the screen and it'll just automatically take you up to the very, very top, the very first tab that you have open that you probably forgot about seven months ago. And then once you get to the very, very tippy top, you just put your finger in the center and drag down just very slightly and you'll see the search box reveal that says search tabs. And then that's where you can start tapping your search term in. So that's kind of a fun thing that has been really helpful. So let's see where we are. We talked about what a tab is, how to close a tab, how to move tabs into different orders, how to close multiple tabs at once, once and how to search tabs. Um, another thing that I want to talk about is how to um, customize the share sheet. Yep. And what is the share sheet? That's that little box that has a little arrow pointing upwards. And that just means I want to take something that's here and I want to move it somewhere else or I want to get something else involved. You want to somehow share information from one place to another. So when you tap on the box that has the arrow pointing straight up, that's the share sheet that will then slide up from the bottom. Now you're going to get, let's see, one, two, three sections. The first section, if you have AirDrop enabled, we don't have this in our show notes, but this is probably a good time to do a little bit of a security check. AirDrop is not something that you want to just have turned on willy-nilly. You really want to be choosy about whether or not you want to have AirDrop turned on. I don't feel like that's kind of a safe thing to just have enabled all the time. So you might want to investigate that later. Um, and then the next section is going to be individual apps and their colored icons. You swipe to the left or to the right. And if you swipe all the way to the left until you can't go anymore, you're going to get three little dots that says more underneath it. And when you tap that, it'll give you, these are called activities, and it will give you a list of all the different apps that will interact with Safari in a meaningful way. And you can reorder them. You can turn them on or off depending on what you use. Like say you like to use Twitter and you want to tweet links. You may want to root you may want to move, you may want to first turn on the Twitter activity and then you may want to move that up to the top or say you text a lot of links, you may want to move message up to the top and there are little, there are little reorder lines there that you can tap on to drag up and down and to change the order of that. So those are activities. And then the next one that I want to talk about that a lot of people just don't give enough love, I don't think, these are the ones in the next section, the bottom. These are the uh, there are more activities, but for whatever reason, they're separated out and they're black and white icons or, or grayscale icons. And I don't know, maybe I think that's why they don't give them as much love. They, they're not loved enough to have color. Well, what is up with the, that? Yeah, the thing is you can't really turn them out. There are, are very few apps that are in there. You can turn on and off. 
Um, they're they're fixed activities. Uh, but of course, fixed activities as the, the delegation. Yeah, and then the thing you didn't mention also is you can reorder these too. I don't know if you were going to talk about that, but yeah, I was gonna I was gonna get at that. Well, I mean, we're in we're in that list there as as I'm looking at it, and you can reorder them. There's two different ways you can reorder things actually. Mm-hmm. When you tap on the little more, the little three dots that says more, that's where you'll get the list that shows and you can reorder them from there. You turn them on and off in there and you can reorder them, but you can also push and drag to the left or right. You can reorder them by, by moving them around that way. If you push on them till they kind of bubble up a little bit underneath your fingertip, you can drag them into whatever order you want them to be. And the reason why I wanted to bring this up is because, for example, in my activities, the very first one that I have going back to password managers is 1Password. I highly recommend that if you are any kind of a password manager user, do you use anything else or are we both 1Password users? No, 1Password. Nope, I don't don't delve into anything else. So that's my my first love right there is, is 1Password because I use that all the time. And then for me, the next one that I have is a Notable, which is a um, app for editing screenshots and things, and then print. And then the other great one is Add to Reading List. And we're going to talk about reading lists in a little bit, but it's the little icon that has the glasses, the reading glasses. And then here's one that I don't think a lot of people know about, which is Find on Page. So again, these are you can see all of these if you're if you're looking at yours and you're going, what is she talking about? Swipe all the way to the left till you can't go anymore. Tap on the little three dots that says more and you'll see all the little treasures in that list of activities there because a lot of these are turned off by default. They only give you like a couple. And I don't think find on page is one of the default ones that's turned on. But that's where like if you're looking for uh, a keyword, you can turn that on and then as you're searching a web page in ios safari you can find keywords by tapping on that little magnifying glass actually so those are kind of my top favorites actually it is it is a it's turned on by default it doesn't have a is it turned on it's been so long since i've done like a fresh install so i wasn't sure yeah it's it's when you go into this into this the share sheet and you scroll over it's one of the permanent uh, you just have to if you want it to be more closer to the, the front you can Drag, redrag the order. Like I, I moved it mm-hmm. right next to one password. So, yeah. So it's just something. These are the ones if you use them a lot. Like I just kind of outlined a couple of my favorites. Those are the ones that when I first tap that icon and it slides up and it gives me the share sheet. Those are the first couple ones that I see because there's really on an iPhone there's only room for three or four or five you know icons that you see quickly. There are other ways you have to kind of swipe. So you just want to prioritize and put your favorites in the front of the line right there. So that was the share sheets that I wanted to talk about and customizing it. And I, like I said, I, rem- I recommend moving one password to the first spot because that's kind of where your thumb lands when you're holding your right. phone anyway. So placement is also important. And how to use the find on a web page. So much now, stuff. <laughs> I know, I know. Hey, we're not done yet. We still have some time yet. <laughs> yeah, we've got some browsers I want to talk about people too. People are trying this out <laughs> as, they're, as they're listening. So make sure you want to talk about the browsers too, that the third-party browsers. Okay, I'll save, save, I'll save some time a little for that. space for you there. Right. <laughs> um, another really important thing that I really want to hit on today was the difference between bookmarks and reading lists. So we talked about reading lists just a little bit ago, and I wanted to kind of dive into that a little bit deeper. I love reading lists. I 
I love it too. The problem is, is that in my experience, and maybe it's just, like I said, it's the kind of clientele that, that I have is that they just don't know what reading list is. You know, it kind yeah. of was a, a, I mean, bookmarks are kind of been around forever. I don't know that reading list has, I think it was something that came out and just kind of was overlooked and people just didn't really get into it. Um, I have worked with so many people, more people than I can count that are, and I, and I'm one of them <laughs> are addicted to bookmarks. We really kind of need like a self-help group for bookmarks. Uh, so I'm here to give you a little bit of help on that. If you are a bookmark addict, uh, what is what it used to be is that, you know, you go and you surf a page and, you, oh, I want to save that for later. So you bookmark it, even though it's not really a website that you're going to visit all the time. It's just that it was an interesting article, something that you wanted to read, you know, kind of once and maybe explore later. So you bookmark it. Well, then reading list came along and that was a new feature. Like I said, I just don't I don't think it got enough love. And so people were just so their behavior was ingrained that they just bookmarked everything. And then reading list came along and I discovered reading list. And that's why I mentioned having it in the share sheet there. And I also mentioned being able to get to the reader view. When you use reading list, it's like basically taking Safari and turning it into your own personal newspaper where you customize what you want to read about and you add things to the reading list. So try this every time you get to an article. Now, I'm not talking about like a, a website. That's the difference. When you bookmark a website, it's a website that you visit all the time, like maybe a place that you log into. Now, I use 1Password for that, you know, for things that I log into regularly. But for websites that I want to visit frequently, for whatever reason, I like to bookmark them and put them in my favorite section so that I can get at them really quickly. But if it's an article, if it's not something I'm going to keep visiting over and over again, I just was doing some research and it's just that one article that I wanted to read or maybe that one article led to seven different articles. Either way, reading list is the way to go for those things. I think reading list is the better tool for that task of just reading articles. So when you customize your share sheet and you put the reading list at the bottom, that's what you want to be tapping and adding to your reading list. And what will happen is over time, you will build up, it's called a reading list for a reason, because you will build up a list of all of these different articles that you want to be able to read. And the way that you get to those after you've started collecting them, so to speak, is to tap on the bookmark icon at the bottom. So that's to the left of the two little squares that are next to each other. So in order to open up a new page. That's the the little icon that looks like a book that's opened. <laughs> My dad calls it the Bible. I don't know why, but <laughs> that's what I call it now. So tap on the little book and that will take you to a place where you will see three icons at the top. You'll see your, your familiar bookmarks icon, which looks like a little book that's open. But in the center now, you'll see that familiar icon that looks like the little reading glasses. And that's your reading list. That's where all of these articles end up. This is where they culminate. This is where where they land. And then this is where you can interact with them. And as you read them, you can almost treat it like email in a way. It's like a like a an in-list because you can do the same actions like when you're reading an, an email message and you want to delete it. You know how you swipe to the left and it shows delete? Well, you can do that here too. So this is where all of your reading list articles will show up. And remember in the beginning when we talked about settings and we talked about that toggle switch of turning 
the feature on for saving them offline. This is what gets saved. And this is the area where you can store all that stuff. So when you get ready to go on an airplane or through a tunnel or someplace where you're not going to have internet access, these will be available to you. So like I said, it's it's like having your own personal newspaper or magazine or newsletter or something yeah. that you've customized, you customized with just the stuff that you want to read. It's all right there. So you store them in reading list. And then when you go to visit these, you use reader view and you can strip out a lot of the ads. So let me switch gears here and let you talk about ad blockers because I want to talk about that in, in this part here. Do you use an ad blocker? No. And, and if, so, if so, what do you use? Nope, I don't. And I, I think they're garbage. There's a lot of apps you can download that are out there. I was looking in the app store. I, I looked at one a long time ago. I tried it and I just hated it and I turned it off. Um, but there's a number of them out there if you search in the app store that they're out there. Looks like most of them are free. Even Norton has one, but I can't believe I'd, I'd avoid Norton like the plague as it is anyway. Um, but there's so many of them out there, and um, no, I just don't. I find them to be more intrusive than anything else. They cause more problems than good. Even mm-hmm. even, even on on a Mac, I, I don't, don't. I wouldn't use them either. But uh, Safari does have a built-in on the Mac, but that's another story. But um, yeah, right. But um, well, I'm glad you said that. I was, I was, I was interested. I waited no. to see what your answer would be on that. I wanted no. to pick your brain on. I'm kind of glad you don't recommend them. My fear is that because they are um, billed as ad blockers, you know, oh, they're supposed to protect you from, right. you know, the the demons of the internet. I believe that there's a potential for some predatory usage there because, I mean, like I said, I mean, I, I work with seniors and they're the they're the first people that are going to download those ad blockers thinking that they're doing themselves a favor when in actuality it's it's I mean, we're in iOS, so we're, we're mostly isolated and protected from that stuff. But like I said, there's a difference between the software being secure, but the behavior not being so secure. Right. So those are kind of two different things that operate. So that's what I had for for that section. And then um, we're getting low on time, so I'm going to save some of this other stuff for another time. I got through most of what yeah, I, I really had, wanted to get through. You had a lot of the hot the hot topics, um, the search yeah. sh- search se- sheet. You know, I talked about that at MaxDoc last year. Um, and uh, it's a, and I've talked about, I've done it a number of times during my iPhone uh, special interest group. During it's the, popular. People always so want to know about it. So. Even inspire me. I might even do another topic of talk, focus on a whole session of, for my special interest group on Safari because it's a really a heavily used app. I mean, let's let's face it. And and speaking of of Safari and browsers, I mean, there are a number of of third party browsers that are out there um, that I wanted to kind of touch upon a little bit um, with the remaining minutes we have here. Um, uh, there's basically five I recommend. We have it in the show notes. Um, Chrome, which you, know, you use Chrome on your Mac, you use Chrome on uh, on, the, on the iOS device. Firefox is out there too. Microsoft, and I mentioned it briefly last episode, uh, has their new browser Edge, which actually I'm very surprisingly is a very robust browser. I was uh, very impressed with it, um, and uh, they've made we won't it. hold it against you, Dave. No, not I'm, this no time. I mean you know what? There's nothing to hold against because Microsoft <laughs> I is know, really. I'm just teasing. Oh, I know you are, uh, and, mm-hmm. and, and and we always tease about Microsoft because you know Microsoft's Microsoft, but. Now, they're making a lot of changes to, to their business model, and they're really they're really paying attention to iOS devices. And since they blew it in the in the mobile mobile world, um, they they said, mm-hmm. you, know you know, iOS is their is their baby. So, if you look at all of their Office products, the, the apps are very robust. They're very good. So, I mean, it, it, it wasn't anything less with Edge. Um, 
then uh, uh, there's another there's another browser that I found very interesting and I in, I, I enjoy using is called Puffin. Mm-hmm. Um, We've and, talked about this before. There's even an yeah. education version that I found out that right. was like a flash emulator. Right, and then the the one I just discovered actually today is actually a Firefox product. I'm going to hit on that one a little more because you were talking about the ad blocking and privacy. Mm-hmm. Um, Firefox Focus. It's it's a browser for and again all the all these browsers are available on iPhone or iPad. So um, so let's say you're going to a website in on um, on on uh, the Firefox Focus. You know, like I'm going to Yahoo on here right now. The the nice thing about what um, of what uh, uh, it has here, there's a quick button that that says erase. You want to erase all your history? It's a uh-huh. simple click button because people. You know, I don't like, you know, a lot of times you don't want to keep your browsing history uh, in, in place. So I tap the erase button, boom, it's gone. And, and mm-hmm. It is really quick. I mean, and it's customizable. You can go into settings. There's a there's a settings gear in there and you can turn on and off privacy. Um, it uh, it does actually, and I'm noticing this now, it does have an, an integration to turn on and off with Safari. Now, every browser that you're going to find on, on, a, uh, on an iOS device, in some way, shape or form, Safari has is some involvement in it. It, I mean, Apple insists in that, that the Safari backend of, of, of their app has to have some sort of integration with their browser, but they've, they've, they've really, they've loosened things up a little bit over the years with iOS, mm-hmm. but I find this interesting. I, I want to explore this further and I'll can report back on why it, this actually has a integration check, a check off saying you can turn on and off the integration with hmm. Safari. So, um, Interesting, but yeah, check, check that one out. Um, then let me let me touch upon uh, Puffin a little bit. Now, Puffin, which I really like about Puffin, and it, it's a good browsing, uh, it's a good browser. But the nice thing about it is, it's a true. You can set it to to be a true desktop uh, version right, of of, right. the, of the of the browser. Now, uh, on the iPhone, you'll see more mobile devices than you will on the iPad. The iPad will will tend to show more desktop oriented. Uh, websites just because uh, it can uh, and it, it's just its size. Now, if you go into some of the settings with um, with Puffin, uh, again, you can do all kinds of of, uh, of privacy things. You can do an incognito tab. Chrome, Firefox, they all mm-hmm. do that too. Um, oh, before we get too far, that reminds me, we didn't get to that, but this is a good place to talk about it because you're going to talk about it. Privacy mode or private mode. Right. That's another thing that people overlook on it's very easy to do in Safari when we've been talking about this is you know how you originate something you tap on the little squares you get a new page open you're given a choice at the bottom there right. and what I think has been happening with with my people is that they're tapping private cuz that's a tr- that's an attractive word these days yeah. private. <laughs> you know, oh well that must be good well, for me. It's like I'll just take my is. vitamins. Thank you. And they tap it and then they go and they browse in private mode and you, I'll let you elaborate a little bit on more what that means. But they what they forget, though, is that they've done that. Meanwhile, they've got 176 tabs mm-hmm. open in regular view. And it's it's just it's one of those things in interface design that we take for granted. And people say, well, what's the difference? Well, how do I know I'm in private mode? And it is actually once you see it, it makes sense when you're in private mode. All of the uh, the backgrounds are dark. It's almost like right. I don't know why, but for some reason, if if you're in private mode, you're in dark mode. You yeah. might as well go get yourself a hoodie and and put it on and tap the private button. When you're in the regular, the light comes to the light side. You're in the regular mode. All of the backgrounds are light in color or white. Right. Uh, and so that's the difference between the two. But what people don't realize is that they're 
they're kind of two walled off different places. And so you might have a whole bunch of tabs that are open in private mode and a whole bunch of tabs that are open in regular mode and they don't mix. So that's something you want to investigate and try that out for yourself. Just tap the private button, see what happens. You may have done it accidentally and, oh, gee, there's, you know, 500 tabs open. Let me close all those. How did we do that? Yeah, rewind and you'll you'll find out. Right. So go ahead and, and, and explore a little bit. What does it really mean to browse in private mode? And, you know, they have yeah. these things built in in these web browsers that you're talking about, too. So um, it's so important. Yeah. I mean, just just finishing up with Puffin. Yeah, it there is a there is a selection in there. You tap uh, in the settings and you in, in the case of of buff Puffin and I believe uh, uh Chrome, it's called an incognito mode. Incognito, yep. So you That's just tap word. this, and then you know what it does? It goes black. So mm-hmm. the, the the border at the top is black. Then you know you're browsing. What it basically means is that you're you're browsing private. So it can't it can't uh, you it won't save any cookies. It it, it, mm-hmm. it keeps your your browsing history clean. Um, it still knows where you are. It still identifies where you are. I mean, it shows your IP address. I mean that that isn't blocked. But it is blocked, so it, it keeps every, all of your browsing history is is clean. You can go to websites; you won't it won't save a thing. Now, mm-hmm. of course, there's disadvantages to that because if you want yep. s- websites to want to store stuff, then yeah, you can't do it. But there are sometimes you may go to a site that you just just flat out. You know, some of these websites, you know, like MacWorld is a, is a good a good example. They have so many crazy ads on there. I I, mm-hmm. I, I would rather browse incognito or, or in private mode only because uh, it, uh, it 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 just it just a uh, it's just a pain. So yeah, I mean, you feel there, like you run through and, it. And everybody and there's, gets it, everything. <laughs> and there's one example when you go into edge, let me talk a little bit about edge. Cause edge really has some slick features. Um, it, it has the, the little the little pages at the top left of the corner of the, of the browser. You can tap it, and then it, it does the same thing. It does tab browsing similar to what we were talking about earlier with with Safari. There's mm-hmm. a button there on that browser called In Private. So that has that built in too. But they've added some really cool features within the browser too. It has a microphone that you can tap, and you can actually talk into it. It uses the mic and the iPad or the iPhone, and you can oh. talk the browser in there. See, that's is, why I like using Chrome. Yeah. I like so being able to edge use has the, it too. the microphone search. Yeah, mm-hmm. Edge has it too. So... Um, it, it even has a, a feature where you can continue on. Well, it says PC. I don't know. I've not tried it to try to continue on uh, with your Mac. It's probably more PC oriented. Sounds like a handoff kind it, of. It, it is. Feature. Yeah, it's a it's okay. a handoff. Um, so Edge has that. Um, Firefox, same thing. It's got a lot of very robust, and um, not everybody's uh, not not everybody's uh, a big Firefox fan. I, I I use Firefox on my Mac all the it's time. It's coming back it for really some is. reason. The, the Firefox um, Quantum, yeah. it's called now. I used to love, love, love Firefox, and then I don't know what happened if it just kept getting updated so frequently. Yeah, it drove me nuts. It's, it's actually it's a nice update. I mean, yeah, the, uh, I've been hearing really good things about it, and it's like super fast. And I wonder well, super we'll, we'll investigate this more. But that integration you're talking about, I remember a long time ago when Firefox was like, "Oh, I really wish I could use Firefox on iOS," right. and then. At some point in time, it it came to iOS, it was there, and I remember kind of like with Google Chrome, there was the synchronization feature that you could do where you had to use, you know, kind of like another password or a a key phrase that you typed in, and just like in Chrome, it would synchronize all your settings and all your bookmarks and everything that, you know, so it was kind of like an emulation of iCloud of what we have with iCloud. And uh, just to wrap this up, because we're a little over on time, but that's okay, Um, we... um, uh, on Chrome, you go into Chrome, and Chrome is very similar to what if you use Chrome on your on your Mac. 
Um, mm-hmm. It works great. Um, it does the same thing with the tabbing in the in the incognito tabs uh, if you want privacy. But it also has a tab here called other devices, so it it will mm-hmm. sync with Chrome everywhere. So if you have right. if you're signed into your Chrome browser on your Mac on your if you happen to use a PC, in my case, I do. When we use, I use Chrome. I probably should start well, using Chrome this more. Chromebooks, though. I mean, for, for my kids, yeah. it's for probably going to come in handy Absolutely. for their, yeah, synchronizing their school stuff back and yeah. forth. They don't. I mean, we already do that on a Mac, so right. if they're going to use an iPad for any length of time, they'll, they'll do that. Yeah. One thing, real quick, I don't want to forget to talk about yeah. when we're talking about in private mode. I have run into this many times, so I just want to put it out there that, like, just like we said, there's many benefits to using it and any browser in privacy, incognito, whatever vocabulary term you want to use. But just be aware that there are going to be sites that don't play nicely with that. Banking sites are one of them. Uh, Medical portals are another. It's just like those are the two gotchas for some reason. Mm -hmm. And I have run into that problem so many times where they can't figure out why won't it load? Why won't it let me log in? Why won't it load this one thing? And it turned out it's because it was in private mode. And you just have to use it in regular mode. So. I, I don't exactly recommend that you use private mode unless you absolutely have to. I mean, most yeah. of, and most, yeah. most, most of us in our world, so I don't think there's really need to be private. I mean, if you're really paranoid and you don't want anybody to track anything that's in, on your history, by all means do it. A lot of times what I'll do, like let's say if you go to a library, you don't have a computer, maybe you go to yeah. a PC or a PC probably be a good, uh, that'd be a, this would be a good example. Always be in private mode because I wouldn't want, my my browsing history to be stored on some mm. public computer. So, uh, well, not only that, but even in your private computers, if you're sharing it with kids, and kids, that's yeah, that's another, right. Because yeah, adult, that's another adult thing that site. I run into because well, I do research for adult stuff. sites, but I mean, just uh, sites that yeah. are probably not as appropriate. Yeah, just not appropriate. Just just yeah. things that I research sometimes end right. up just having. You know, if I'm. I don't know. There's just things that I, I that, that I researched. Put it this way: that I've often wondered, "Gee, well, that's in my browsing history. What are they going to think about me?" <laughs> Dave, you'll clear my browsing history for me <laughs> if I get hit by a bus, right? That's right. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, hit our show notes, and definitely I, we have links to all the browsers that I talked about today. The, I, I, these are my five favorite ones. They're all free, which is awesome. I mean, you love free. Mm-hmm. Um, um, this episode won't cost you anything. No, it won't cost you now. So, uh, yeah, a lot of information we, we uh, hit. Yeah, but. Uh, I think it's time to bring this thing to a close. Yeah, I think we should put a bow on it. Uh, so thanks for listening, and we hope you'll rewind this one and maybe listen to it again, maybe a little <laughs> slower, maybe pause it a couple times, go back. You know, if, you, if you've listened to something and, and learned something, we'd really like to hear about it. So, well, thank you for listening, and we hope that you're more in touch with iOS, even especially Safari, after hearing this episode. Subscribe to our podcast in your favorite podcatcher, and show your friends how to find us on apple podcasts on the google play store on stitcher radio and now in tune in we look forward to bringing you more useful information in future episodes i'm melissa davis and you can find me online all over at the mac mommy and my name is dave ginsburg and i am on twitter at dave g65 stay tuned and subscribe for future episodes and thanks for listening